What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. It's another conversation with a content marketer out there who is bringing it. Yes, bringing it to the table. And I got my man, Ben, from CoSchedule. Ben does some awesome work. He's the host of the CoSchedule's Actionable Marketing Podcast. So this one's a little bit of a podcast inception. Two marketers talking about podcasting. What do you think about that? The reason why I wanted to have Ben on is that I think they have done, CoSchedule has done an amazing job with their podcast and getting good guests, gaining good brand recognition, and using it to help power their content experience. So I wanted to learn a little something from him and their process and what they were doing, but I also felt like it was a good opportunity to share some knowledge with you, the marketer out there that's listening to the show, that's thinking about doing a podcast, but maybe hasn't kind of moved forward with that yet. I think there's a lot to unpack in this conversation and hopefully some really good insights that you can gain, that you can take back and push forward, whether that's having a conversation with your boss about why podcasting might be important or just taking that next step. If you like what you've been hearing on the 3C podcast, definitely hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review if you think I'm doing a good job. Definitely go to thejuicehq.com. Leave us your email. Be a part of our wait list where you'll get a regular newsletter. Stay in touch that way. It's Friday. Let's go. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I am really excited. I'm excited because as I'm recording this, it's sunny outside. I'm looking at it through my windows and got a lot of positive vibes uh, going on over here. I'm joined uh, by Ben. Ben is with CoSchedule. We're going to talk about podcasting. It's kind of meta here. We're going to talk about how to podcast on a podcast and the the right things to do. But I think Ben has um, done an excellent job with the Actionable Marketing Podcast and has grown that out. And I'm definitely curious to learn a lot from him. And hopefully, if you're out there starting a podcast, uh, you'll learn something too. Ben, without further ado, how are you doing? Hey, uh, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm uh, glad to, uh, to join you for podcast inception this morning. <laughs> it is a total podcast inception, but I think it is something that needs to be done. I know it's been done before, but you know, I have ever since I started the 3C podcast in our in our company, which is a mighty team of five, I have gotten so many questions about why I'm doing podcasting, what the positive impact is. And I could talk about it forever, but I figured why not talk with someone else who has been in the podcasting game for quite some time and has grown a, a marketing podcast from nothing to something. So that's what we're here to do today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I can I, I've been hosting our podcast, uh, the actionable actionable marketing podcast, for about a year and a half now, and so I think that's probably like the last sixty or seventy episodes. So I can't take full credit <laughs> for starting it from scratch. I think I'm I am host number three or four that we've had since we started the show, but. Um, it, it has been very, it's been a lot of fun getting to take it over. Um, and it's, it's always been really interesting to me seeing 
how our show has grown and how it was started from from scratch back in 20 2016 wow i think was when we started it um and so it's it's been a lot of fun to kind of like watch it grow and then get to kind of step into the uh the role of of hosting and you know just continuing to you know help it grow into into what it is now yeah and i think Definitely. If you go to your landing page, you see some heavy hitters and big guests that you've had. And we're going to get into just that process. But before we get into the, the the process and digging in, getting into the weeds a little bit, I think I'd be remiss. I want to hit on co-schedule, talk about what co-schedule does for anyone out there not listening, but your location. You're the one of the first maybe marketers I've, I've met in, from North Dakota. So tell me a little bit about the marketing scene in North Dakota. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So co-schedule was founded in Bismarck, North Dakota in 2013. Uh, and then expanded uh, to Fargo, North Dakota, um, where I'm located, I think maybe like a year or two after that. Yeah, we claim that we are the fastest growing startup in North Dakota. Uh, I think that was true. It was definitely true at one time when we started saying that maybe a few years ago. Um, and now I think there's there's a handful of other companies that might be giving us a run for our money on that front. Not that, I mean, it, I like more success here is, is better for everyone. So that, that's actually really, really awesome to see. I will say that the, the technology scene and the startup scene in North Dakota, it's mostly concentrated here in Fargo. Uh, it's the biggest city in the state has a, a strong college presence. There's different organizations and investment entities, uh, for lack of a better term, that are kind of pouring money and resources into startups and uh, technology incubators and, and so forth, like what you see in a lot of places uh, now. Um, but there are, uh, I mean, but, but there's other like startup activity going on throughout the state, you know, and, and other places too, which is, it's fun to see. Um, because in a state like ours, I think there's like 700,000 people in North Dakota. You know, that's less people than some cities, you know, like in the entire state. And it used to be for the longest time that if you had an interest in working in technology, um, you had to leave. You know, like you were either going to move to Minneapolis or, you know, because that's the nearest like real major city to here. And that's four hours away, three and a half if you speed. Or maybe you'd go to like Chicago or New York or California or somewhere like that. And so um, it's been really, it, it, it's been really good to see things like co-schedule take root here and to just see uh, like that, that entrepreneurial, you know, tech startup, like, like an actual community kind of start to, to crop up and now. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of companies here that are doing a lot of interesting things. And from my perspective, it seems like a lot of companies that like the next Instagram and the next Facebook is not coming out of North Dakota, probably, but there are lots of companies that are really good at doing very specific things that like most normal people have probably never heard of them, but they're doing really productive things and solving big problems, you know, within like given niches. Like there's another company here called Bushel 
that makes software that helps. I'm going to get this wrong because I'm not 100% certain what they do, but it's software that like helps like farmers, like manage our operations and check like grain prices and things like that. So if like a guy's in his tractor, like he can pull up his phone and get all kinds of data and information and stuff that, you know, previously, you know, maybe even five years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do some of those things. And so there's companies like that, that are like really big within a very specific space that if you're not in that space, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know who they are, but it's exciting to see. Um, I I think that, you know, those, those kinds of like Companies that are like very humble and practical, I think suits the character of a place like North Dakota in a lot of ways, but it's fun to get to be a part of, you know, I've I've lived here long enough to have, you know, been around when, you know, some of those opportunities didn't exist. I know like when I was in college, my assumption was that I was going to leave, you know, I, I would go somewhere else, you know, primarily just due to lack of opportunities, you know, like it used to be that, if you worked in marketing or technology and this is like maybe 10 or 15 years ago, like you had one, of, you either had one of the handful of jobs that were available and you weren't going to leave um, partly because you probably didn't want to, but partly because you didn't have the option because there's not like a ton of places where you can just job hop. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's been a lot of fun to just kind of see those kinds of things grow, especially like in a place where I think like, maybe from an outside perspective, it's, it's interesting just because it's a place where people wouldn't expect it. Totally. You know, I feel like you can tell people literally anything about North Dakota and they'll believe you <laughs> because they have no, pe- people have no reason to think about us, you know? So like, if I told you, or I don't know, like, I mean, I, I shouldn't accuse you of being, of being this way, but there's definitely like, you can tell people some pretty ignorant things and they would have no choice but to be like, oh, that's that's amazing. Like, you don't have running water. You got the internet, like, last month. Like, you know, like, because people people don't know, you know, like, but I, I will say that there there is a very strong technology and startup scene in North Dakota that I think relative to relative to the population there's a lot going on i think i i saw something like a year or two ago i think north dakota has like we we make all these weird lists like best cities to live like lists like fargo is consistently in the top 10 somehow i think it's just because the writers of those lists are just copying other lists (laughs) but there there's always like we always make we, we make all these weird lists for like quality of living and like business and technology and entrepreneurial things like best cities to start a new business like Fargo and Bismarck are in the top 10 all the time and I think I saw a stat that said that I I think like North Dakota has like one of the highest rates of like startup activity like per capita in the country so there's a lot of people that are working on doing a lot of cool stuff out here and it's it's a lot of fun to get to be a part of that's that's awesome I can you know in uh it sounds like kind of being the underdog. Um, I can relate a little bit with the kind of the agriculture technology. I'm in Indiana. There's a lot of cornfields here, a lot of companies to for support sure. that for sure. And maybe we can get into the kind of podcast inception mode here. I'm 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 get I'm excited to chop it up with you. I think the first question I always get when it, when it comes to 
podcasting is just like the most basic is like, why? Like, why are you podcasting? And I'm curious. I know there's been, uh, you know, a few different hosts and owners of the actual marketing podcast for co-schedule, but I'm curious, like, what is your why behind the, you guys podcasting? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think that's the most logical place to, uh, to start this conversation for sure. There's a few, there's a few reasons why. Um, we started the podcast. I think why any company would want to start a podcast. I think one for us, we just identified it as a growing channel, you know, that was going to be important just um, in terms of being a means, you know, through which people want to get information. And so um, I think when we started, from my perspective, it, it seemed to me like we started a podcast out of in, in the interest of meeting people where they're at, you know, like there's demand for, you know, marketing shows and for more podcasts. And even like five years ago, like podcasting was big, but I don't think it had quite exploded the way that it has now. So it was a good time to kind of get in the game, so to speak. But beyond that, like what makes podcasting a really strong platform? And this is borrowing. This is something uh, Jay Akunzo says a lot, or I have heard him say previously, it's podcasts are great for holding people's attention. You know, like if you write an article or a blog post, your average time on page, if you're lucky, might be three or four minutes. And that's really strong. With a podcast, you've got 30 minutes to an hour of someone's attention that you get on an, on an ongoing basis. Like if, if you, if your podcast is good enough to become a part of someone's life, you know, where listening to your show becomes a habit, that's really, really powerful to have an hour a week out of someone's time. So it's a really good way to build a connection with an audience that other channels don't really enable in quite the same way. And then also it's a great way to network with other people in our industry. And if there is something, I mean, like somewhat selfishly, if there's something that we internally want to learn more about or that we want to know more about, we can try to find a guest who is an expert on that topic. And then we effectively get 30 minutes of free consulting from those people just so give them the floor to just talk about a thing that they're passionate about or a thing that they're an expert on. And, and also for us, like that gives us insight that we otherwise would not get for ourselves on that topic. I, I love that. I'm going to step in. And cause when we did the prep call, you mentioned that and I had, I, I had th- thought about it, but not from that context, but people that are podcast consumers, mm-hmm. they don't, maybe necessarily understand that us as the hosts, we're, 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 we're right alongside with you. We're trying to get as much value out of the conversation in, in a majority of times as you are, or we wouldn't be bringing on individuals to the show. So I love that nugget about 30 minutes of consultation. It, it, it truly is like, I, 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 there are so many instances in this show and other shows I've been a part of that I've, I've had notes listened back and it's inspired thought. And that thought that, that's thought that I can take and go uh, put into my you know, pr- professional life and try new things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because if you or I are interested in a topic, 
odds are our, our audience is probably also interested in the same thing. Like we're not, our situations are not so unique or so removed from those of our audience to where there's not that connection, you know? So in, in, in a lot of times, like those sometimes end up being like our, our best episodes, or at least the one, the conversations that are the most fun to have, you know, are the ones where like, we've got a burning question that we want some answers to. And, and then we get to, we, we get to share that with other people. Totally. And so I think from a, mar- a marketing perspective, podcasting, it, it, it makes a ton of sense. And we've talked about this a little bit, just the fact that you, you, you get to meet someone in your industry. It's a piece of content that you can help streamline all of these things as a marketer that you know we see and we take action on. I think maybe some of the hangups that I, I gather is that people who want to start a podcast, it, it's kind of like an uphill battle a lot of in a lot of instances, whether it's leadership team or old school of thought they're they're having they're asking whoever wants to be the catalyst for that podcast to be to get give them KPIs and be measured on certain things like what mm-hmm. sort of advice do you have when cuz I'm sure you've been a part of those conversations or have heard other people a part of those conversations how do you justify having a podcast and putting all the investment of resources and you know money into it yeah, you know, I think that's a great question as well. And I think it's pretty common, you know, as marketers, anytime you want to do something new or anytime you do anything at all, you're going to have stakeholders within your organization that want to know exactly how that activity is connected to revenue. And it's very difficult with a lot of things. I, I don't think that podcasting is necessarily unique in this regard. I mean, it is in some ways, but. Uh, I think we're pretty used to being asked, well, if you do that thing, how does that affect sales? How does it affect the bottom line? And there are a lot of activities, like a lot of different things that marketers need to do that you can't necessarily make a one-to-one connection between taking an action and driving a sale. Um, And I think sometimes that leads to certain things that are valuable, just not getting done because I, I think one those stakeholders don't understand the value of it. And two, like marketers don't know how to communicate the value of that thing if they can't connect it directly to revenue. And I think that leads marketers to doing a lot of very mechanical things where they can literally track a click to a sale. But there's a lot of things that you need to do before you can get someone to a point where they're like, yeah, I'll buy, you know, like I'll I'll buy from this, this company. I think it's especially ironic given how much content marketing has exploded over like the last decade and how much, you know, I mean, like the core mantra of content marketing, you know, is like building trust, you know, and the, the companies that out educate others or provide better educational resources are the ones that win. And there, there's all this like stuff that's considered common knowledge at this point that I feel like gets talked about a lot and gets shared a lot and run into the ground almost, but seems to get ignored when it actually comes time for marketers to kind of put their money where their mouth is or for companies that have claimed to have bought into the idea of content marketing when, when they can't, um, I don't know. They, they want to treat it like advertising, like direct response, you know, like 
I'm going to pay a hundred dollars and make $300 back on everything I do. Totally. And I, and I understand why they think that way. You know, I think within any company, there's a lot of people, depending on their role, that's the way they have to think about business expenses in general. So I think what marketers need to be better at, whether it's a podcast or like you can even extend this like a, a blog or a newsletter or a video show or all kinds of things is you have to be able to connect what you're doing to some type of metric and connect that metric to some type of value, even if it's not directly leading to conversions at the bottom of the funnel. And so I think it's important to kind of put like a podcast in the context, you know, with a broader, within a broader strategy, you know, like you're not putting all the weight of your entire marketing operation on the shoulders of a podcast. But if you can communicate what value the podcast provides within broader context, then I think it's easier to help, you know, other people in your company see the value and see how it makes sense. And so I think for our podcast, you know, some of those things might be, you know, you're building relationships in your industry. You're earning trust with an audience you are maybe funneling that audience to, you know, other like, I mean, like on a very mechanical level, like maybe they'll get from your podcast to another area of your site or, or, or something like that. Like if people just really want to see an action, like they really want to see like, well, how many people went from like that podcast landing page to the blog or whatever. And, and, uh, but I think, and, and also like you can, you can, I think you can tie it pretty strongly to like brand awareness. You know, like there might be people who would not engage with you if you didn't have a podcast because podcasts are the type of content that those folks prefer to consume. I mean, that gets back to why we even started our show. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's a matter of meeting people where they're at uh, and providing value. And so I think it's when, when you think about it in those terms, I think it's easier for a marketer to be like, look, like we're going to drive all these different benefits from having this show. And if you want to talk about bottom of funnel metrics and tactics and things, you probably want to make sure you've got that stuff in place first, maybe before you start talking about doing other things because it's it, it, otherwise it's going to keep circling back to like, how are you making money? And if you can't answer that, then you're like, you're going to lose your job, you know, sooner or later. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think there is a little, it's a little squishy and that's kind of what it's like when you're trying to describe the the value and impact of brand to people that might not, might not necessarily work and spend their day to day in marketing. But this is what I've found so far. I found that the, with, with this, this podcast, it, it provides me the opportunity to have something that I can take to someone that I want to have a conversation with and mm-hmm. say, Hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you. We've got this platform. Let's do it on the platform and just do yeah. it in public. And people like our space marketers, marketers love to be on podcasts. They love to talk about what they're doing. So to me, that's been an advantage of being an early stage company. I think for, for uh, co-schedules podcast, it sounds like, and I'd love to hear more, uh, hear your perspective on this. It sounds like your pot, you, you know, with time, you've had a podcast that's 
been around for a while and it's built up some brand equity that your podcast is like a magnet to a lot of people that want to be on your show. You're not necessarily having to go reach out to, they're coming directly to you and asking, is, is that accurate? Yeah, it's totally accurate. Um, you know, I think it was, it was more challenging in the early goings, I think for sure to get people on the show, but even then we had pretty good brand awareness just through other channels, like primarily through our blog and, and social media and our, our newsletter. So that when we started the podcast, people already had familiarity with us. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily hard to get people to want to come on the show. But before people knew we had a podcast, we had to do more work to actually reach out to people and let them know and then, um, you know, and invite them that way. Uh, but at this point, I mean, this is sounds insane, but I mean, we've been doing the show for four or five years now. At this point, people have pretty good awareness of it or enough of the right people have awareness of it to where we get pitched a ton of guests. And so, and, and a lot of those guests are really good. And so it doesn't take as much work for us to find people who want to come on the show um, generally. And like, sometimes like I will still like reach out to specific people if there are specific people that I would like to bring on the show. Um, or if I'm just in contact with somebody for completely other reasons, it does provide a really good excuse to just be like, Hey, like, what if we continued this conversation on the show? I think this is a really interesting topic or a really interesting thing that we're kind of hitting on here why not share that with the world on the podcast? And I mean, and like you're saying, like, like, like you said, you know, like I think a lot of us that work in the marketing space, like we like to go on podcasts. We enjoy talking about these things. And so it, it's, it's a pretty easy sell, you know, as long as uh, you align your topic with a person's expertise and what your audience cares about, a lot of other things kind of take care of themselves after that. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, I've been thinking about doing a podcast. I've been, you know, I think it'd be a good idea to do a podcast and they never do the podcast. And then some people decide, you know what, I'm going to do the podcast and realize how many steps and how much is involved in it. I mean, the part of the part podcast that we're doing right now is the fun part. We're having a conversation. We're learning from each other. We're talking about, you know, the podcast, but there are so many steps and it takes a ton of time. Um, there are different resources that you can use. There's different distribution. I know that there's probably a lot of learnings that you've been through with the podcast. Can you talk about maybe some like ways you've made streamlining the podcast more efficient? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is really key to sustaining a podcast long-term, especially if you have other responsibilities with your role as a marketer. Yeah. And especially like if you don't have, you know, like a full-time host or anything like that, I've seen some, I, I, I've, I know it's like a fairly common question. I think when people are talking about starting up podcasts, like, should you have like your host in house or should you hire someone out or partner with someone? And I know that there are, arguments, you know, for and against each side of that conversation. But um, I think if you're going to do it in-house, it really helps to build as many efficiencies into your process as possible. 
And so I think when you're starting out, you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to get comfortable with the fact that it's going to be harder at first and it's going to take a larger investment up front to kind of get the flywheel moving than what it will like later on, like once you're, you know, you're comfortable with your process and you're, you're comfortable with podcasting in general. Um, so I think at first just, you know, I think it's important to just kind of come to terms with that and, you know, not let the fear of failure stop you. Like it's okay. If your first several episodes suck, like you have to probably will. Yeah. And get comfortable with that too, because any podcast that you, uh, that you see that's experienced success, they didn't start off awesome. You know, I think like a lot of people think not all of them were doing podcasts before. It's not like a bunch of like former radio personalities all got marketing jobs and then started podcasts. You know, it's, so there's a lot of learning um, that you're probably going to have to do up front, And there's going to be things that just are going to take time and it's probably going to feel hard, but, but it gets easier. And I think the, um, you can make things easier on yourself by, you know, uh, not to repeat myself too much, but just like looking for ways to build, you know, efficiencies in the process so that you don't burn out on it and it doesn't take too much time away from other things. And so some of the things that we do at CoSchedule or have done, one, we outsource the editing of the show to a company called Podcast Motor. They do fantastic work. Uh, There are a lot of other companies in that space, like different agencies and things like that, that you can go seek out, but not having to be experts at audio editing is a huge lift off our shoulders. They are absolutely worth what we pay them to do that. Without them, we, we couldn't do the show. It just, it wouldn't be worth it to us. And, and they do such good work. So that's like one thing that, I would say as soon as you have the budget or as soon as you are ready to outsource it, like do it (laughs) if you're thinking about it because it it just makes life so much easier and makes so many other things possible. Second for us, every episode follows a pretty consistent format. Um, Interview based shows are, it's probably the easiest format that you can get started with. And I think it can be easy to feel like, well, everybody does interview shows, which, which is true, but um, the fact that lots of people are doing them doesn't mean that they're going to do them the same way as you. So I, th- I think like maybe like identifying, you know, like what is your niche going to be? And I feel like I'm I'm veering off into a completely different part of this answer, but I'll get back to what <laughs> I was talking about. But kind of identify what 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 your niche is going to be, and it might take you like a little bit of time to figure that out. And I think it's fine if you don't really know what that's going to be immediately. But I think eventually you want to get to a point where people can know what to expect from you. And and for us, like our show is called the actionable marketing podcast, pretty cut and dry what that is. You know, like we're very focused on making sure that every episode leaves the listener with something practical that they can actually go do. And so one way that I make it easy to run the show is every episode follows a similar format. Like the, the questions follow a similar format. And I don't know if like listeners are actually are aware of this or not. Um, but pretty much every episode, the, the way that the conversation flows, like I structure the questions intentionally 
to start off with just letting the guests introduce themselves, let them talk about what they do and why. And then we introduce a problem or a tactic or a channel or a trend or something we're going to talk about. We dig into why that thing is important. Like, like why, why does this matter? Why is it relevant? Why is this conversation even happening? And then we get into like maybe like a more entry level or like a beginner sort of approach to tackling that problem or getting started with that tactic. And then from there, like a more advanced, what, like what, what, what does a more advanced or a more mature approach to solving that problem look like? And that's it. I can write the questions for an episode. Once I've got a topic, I can write the questions in 10 minutes because it's basically just rewriting the same basic questions, different ways, just to kind of structure the conversation to whatever that guest is an expert on. And so I do freelance journalism in my spare time. And if I'm doing an interview for something like that, like writing questions can take a lot more time because I need to be more, I mean, it just can, um, there, there can just be a lot more that goes into it, but because it doesn't necessarily follow a fixed format, you know, like just based on the needs of the publication I'm writing for, but for our show, we have the ability to just say, this is what it's going to be. And this is kind of the format it follows. And that keeps it really consistent. And another benefit of that is it, it helps set pretty clear expectations for what you're going to get from our show. You know, the, uh, the format of the show is tied directly to the title and you, you know what you're getting from us. And it, it's uh, structured in a way to make sure that every time we bring on a guest, we're providing value, like concrete value. Like you listen to this, you're going to know how to do something that you didn't know how to do 30 minutes ago. Uh, and that keeps it like pretty quick. And then, um, and then promotion wise, you know, we have like a pretty consistent, you know, means of promoting the show. It's we create templates, you know, within our own product and co-schedule to like share the episodes in a way that's consistent. We put the episodes in our email newsletter. We, um, you know, we have pretty mature processes on that front for promoting the episode. We try to make sure that we tag, you know, the guests and social media. We, provide all of our guests with social graphics that they can use to help promote the episode. So they don't have to put in as much work to promote the episode on their end. So it just makes it easier that way. Um, so I feel like this is a really long winded answer, but those are probably the top three or, you know, maybe that was four <laughs> things. Yeah. So I would say the, the kind of the, the TLDR version, I would say, outsource production, write your questions in a way that follows a consistent format and just make sure that, you know, everything is kind of tied back to the purpose of your show, you know, makes things super easy. I, I love it. Um, yeah. You, you covered a lot of ground there, that stuff that I was going to dig into and you just went for it. So I love it. I will say this, the outsourcing editing is everything. Like mm -hmm. I would never have done this show or other shows I've done without that. It is not a skill set of mine. I'm not a very patient person. I don't want to learn how to do that. Shout out Katie who edits this show. She's edited several shows for me, but find someone who is efficient and who does that professionally. It'll make your life easier. And it'll also allow you to get excited about continuing to do it. That's been a huge component. And I like what you said too, about just making it easy on your guests, like whatever you can do just to 
basically hand over the silver platter and say, hey, can you send this out? Or hey, can you help us push this? I think that's great uh, advice too. Maybe we can close out with this. You have been you know, the host for the Actionable Marketing Podcast for a little bit. Co-Schedule believes in uh, podcasting. I'm sure there's been something, an aha moment for you during your time on the podcast where you, something happened and you, you thought, okay, well, I need to change this up or start doing things a different way. Uh, maybe share with share with the audience what what one of those moments are and how it's kind of changed uh, the game for you. Yeah, there's actually two things. The first that I will say, so way way back in the day, I did a few episodes of the show. Like I wasn't like the regular host, but I did a few. I think I was just kind of pinch hitting uh, for whoever was the the host at the time. It would have either been Nathan, who's like our head of marketing or maybe for uh eric who who did pr for us for a while so people who have been listening to the show for a a long while will be will be familiar with those names when when i when i did those first like initial episodes i put a lot of the time into writing very thoughtful lengthy lists of questions and i found pretty quickly that i didn't have enough time to get through all of them and so I just really overthought and overworked my um, my my uh, question set, and and I think part of that is because I was used to writing questions like the way a journalist would, where like there's just all this like stuff that I want to know to make sure that I've got all the information I need to write an article. As with a podcast, really all you need to do is just provide a clear framework for a conversation, and that doesn't really require your questions to necessarily be as in depth. Like I found for a 20 to 30 minute episode, I need about five questions, not 12. Mm -hmm. And those questions don't need to be that complicated necessarily, at least for our show, like someone else's show, like depending on what you're talking about, it might be different, but just learning that for, for us just made things feel a lot less heavy (laughs) going into an episode. Uh, Two, uh, I would say for like, know your your equipment and wh- how your recording software functions we used to use we used to use a combination of Skype and i think this was before Skype had automatic like call recording built into it and some other app and you had to have it set up a certain way and i did one call where the audio was corrupted for some reason like, I don't know what happened, but when you would try to play back the audio export, it just sounded completely garbled. It was very strange. That's happened to me one or two other times before, and I've actually never successfully been able to troubleshoot why that happens. And so what I learned was have two methods for recording your audio, even if it's just as simple as just setting up like a, you know, some sort of other like basic audio recording app, like even if it doesn't sound as good as your primary means of recording audio, it can really save your bacon, (laughs) you know, like if you, if you happen to need it, get a decent mic. If you have a MacBook, like actually like a, a MacBook mic I found is shockingly good for what it is, but it's better to have some type of microphone, like if, if you can swing one, and, and again, be aware of how it works and how to set it up, you know, beforehand so that 
you don't have to futz around with it. <laughs> like when you've got a guest on the line, you're like, Oh, well, let me, let me figure out my situation here. Um, right. I mean, sometimes like things happen, you know, like technology sometimes doesn't cooperate, but if you feel comfortable with your own technology, it's, it's nice to just not have to worry about it or to not have to think about it. I think especially when you're starting out, like you have enough other stuff you're worried about. You don't want to worry about, Oh, well, like my mic wasn't plugged in or like, Oh, my audio file is corrupted. So I think those are some of the biggest things. I think maybe like the last, you know, like aha moment sort of thing that I can, that I can share, I think would be just like metrics wise. I used to kind of worry that our show wasn't growing as much as I thought it should and that it maybe wasn't providing as much value as I thought it should. But I think something with podcasting that is worth keeping in mind is it is enough to have a small but devoted audience that you can grow incrementally over time. Like you're, you don't have to be Mark Marin or someone who's got a huge audience um, I mean, it would be great if you can fill that kind of role for your niche, but if you've got like 500 people that download your show every week, that's fantastic because the value of that attention is so much greater than what a lot of other channels can provide. You know, like getting back to like what we were talking about at the start of this episode, like you've got 30 to 45 minutes of 500 people's time every week. Like, like that's awesome. You know, even if your blog, you know, like, like for us, it's like, I was comparing that to like a blog that gets like a million page views a month and looking at the podcast, I was like, well, kind of looks like it sucks, you know, when I stack it up to these other things, but you, you have to measure it like it's its own thing. I saw some stats somewhere recently, and this was what kind of like triggered I don't know if you'd call it a light bulb moment so much as just a, uh, or maybe it was more just like realizing I, I didn't need to stress so much. Like our show gets, I think roughly about 500 to a thousand people per episode, sometimes a little less, sometimes more, but generally like most episodes fall in that range. And I saw something that said, like, if you get more than like a hundred at like downloads or a hundred listens per week, you're, uh, you're doing better than most. I can't remember the exact numbers. This maybe not doesn't really make for a great story. (laughs) (laughs) Say like, Oh, you know, like uh, I I don't really remember all the details, but you're doing good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, I think, I think I, I pick up on that and I think the podcast is just a different medium. And so like, it's not an an apples to apples comparison with any like other marketing activities you're doing. Like, even if you've got like a YouTube show, it's not apples to apples based on the duration and the amount of attention that you're you're getting with an episode. So I, I know what, I I've I've seen something similar and can totally relate. So it's good to have a small audience and just deliver strong content to them on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean that's a realistic expectation. You know, I mean obviously like strive for more, but I think if you get too caught up in measuring your podcast based on what might look like good numbers for a different channel. Like you might just get really disheartened and throw in the towel when you're actually doing better than you think. Absolutely. Ben, thank you for uh, participating in podcast inception with me. Uh, uh, Hopefully someone out there who's, 
thinking about a podcast or maybe even doing a podcast now uh, got value from that. Definitely go, everyone, drop what you're doing. Go check out the Actionable Marketing Podcast if you haven't already. Hit subscribe on that show. Go check out CoSchedule too. Um, definitely a product that I'll be looking into as we launch our company. Um, ben, thank you so much for your time. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is, yeah, I mean, I agree. Super fun conversation. All right. Take it easy. Hopefully uh, this weather holds uh, and uh, we get the cold out and can enjoy a nice spring uh, in both of our locations. You can't wait to get that balmy 40 degree North Dakota spring weather. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. All right, man. Take it easy. Yeah, you as well. There's a whole lot of content on podcasting for you. Hopefully that helped. Um, I know I learned a ton. If you like what we're doing, hit that subscribe button. Go check out what CoSchedule is doing. Hit subscribe on the Actionable Marketing Podcast. They're doing good stuff over there. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And I'll be back next week with another one.